Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Race for the Case podcast, Yahoo Sports College podcast. I'm Pat Forty, joined as always by Pete Thamel, and we have hit the stretch run, Pete. It is November. We've got a huge week of games, uh, lots to talk about, and our picks still are pretty mediocre, I have to say. Yeah, yes, college football did us right with plenty of things to talk about this week. We have not done our listeners right with our betting picks. You have more <laughs> than me. Our locks of the week have just been mockable, by the way. I'm Horrible. Horrible. Yeah, just really, really bad. I will have to say my favorite Twitter moment of the week was when one of our uh, one of our Twitter followers made a cheese grater reference uh, at some point somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Made me very happy. It made me think every time I force the cheese grater jokes that only probably like a total of seven listeners get um, in was was given back to me on Twitter. I felt like it was, uh, you know. Like all my all my losing picks had a purpose. <laughs> I believe that was alert listener Owen Seaton. If I if I have that right, tweet us uh, Owen because that was pretty clever. We enjoyed that. Who steals Chase Grider? Um, <laughs> that, that's the callback on that. But yeah, my lock last week was Arkansas getting one and a half, and they lost by like a hundred to uh, Vanderbilt. What was your lock? Oh, I had Oregon who oh, lost right. by two hundred yeah. on the road at uh... Arizona. Yeah, and they were they were giving points and and lost by a hundred. Mario yeah. Cristobal is doing like a handheld guide to how to have the number one pick in the draft and throw away a season. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to Mario. Way to go, getting it done. Yes, the only guy having a worse season than me. So thank you, Mario. <laughs> Making me feel. There's good. a lot of people having worse seasons. We we can recount them at some point in time. <laughs> yeah. But we uh, we both ended up three and three in our picks last week, and so that leaves me a cool ten beers ahead of you. And I believe. November is triple beer month, so you can still dig out. It is triple beer month. I'm happy the Red Sox are throwing me a parade for a 500 week in Boston this week, so I'm very appreciative of that. (laughs) All right, we're going to give some people some lessons this week. Uh, Really, really good slate of games uh, for us to talk about, and we start, obviously, with the game of the year so far in college football. Number one, Alabama, and in the college football playoff rankings, number three, LSU. Unbelievable stat here, Pete, that I uncovered while I was looking up some stuff on this game. This will be the, I want to say the 12th straight year that the winner of this game will be ranked in the top five, which is just unbelievable that they, these teams sustained excellence. I'll have to look that up, double check myself, but it's in the 40-yard dash this week. But great game. We've been looking forward really to this for weeks once it became clear that LSU was legit. Um 
you know, when they when they took care of Miami, started to believe, but not really sure. When they took care of Auburn, okay, maybe they lose to uh, Florida. You start go back to doubting, but then they beat Georgia and they beat Mississippi State, and now the resume is pretty strong. But Pete, is it strong enough that they can actually compete with Alabama, who is laying? 14 and a half in Tiger Stadium. Can't believe LSU is laying 14 and a half. Give me your thoughts on the game. That is a lot of points. And it's a fascinating thing because LSU has hit every empirical data point to show that they're a really good football team, right? And I think I was leading the charge on the anti-LSU bandwagon this year on our podcast. And I think you were like a nose behind me. And maybe you jumped off a little quicker than me. (laughs) So I'm all kinds of tortured here because 14s have a lot. I watched LSU absolutely ragdoll Georgia in person down there. And there is no part of me instinctually, no fiber in my body, that thinks LSU has a shot in this game, which is probably mm-hmm. terrible, right? Like, 14 is a ton of points. I just feel like Joe Burrow has just fluttered so many passes into small windows and is so limited. And you start talking to coaches about Alabama's secondary. And again, you said this with uh, Dan on our podcast earlier in the week, the, the Alabama receiver matchup against the LSU DBs is one of the great, positional matchups that I can ever recall looking forward to. I mean, I think it is the of the highest end. Ten years from now, people are going to be oral histories of the secondary versus receivers in this game. I really feel that yep. strongly about how high-end that is when you got Greedy Williams and you got Delpit and you got um, obviously just the litany, the best skill Nick Saban has had at receiver by leaps and bounds, I would say, yeah. in terms of total. Obviously, there's been yeah, some pretty high-end guys. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, there's been some high-end guys. I certainly don't want the Amari Coopers of the world to. I know, I know Amari listens, um, <laughs> and I certainly don't want that. Uh, you know th- th- that that notion miscast. But I, I just think depth-wise, phenomenal. Obviously, Tua is like Tua is like annoyingly perfect. You know, <laughs> um, it's just like you wish there was like something. There was like some little niggling weakness that he's shown that you could perhaps pick apart and look forward to sort of seeing how it matches up with LSU. But I will say this. This is my one anti-Alabama thought. They have not had a sincere pressure second half snap all season. Right. And I would imagine there's going to be a couple third and threes when that stadium is roaring its crown breath on them. (laughs) And how will they respond when you got – a corner blitz in. Yeah, obviously in the second half, you're gonna have uh you're gonna have Devin White back in the game. And you know, I I, I don't know. But that said, I'm going thirty one ten tied. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh I'm not gonna disagree with you. I I I think I said thirty four twenty, which would be on the wrong side of the hook there, but I'm gonna say now I'm gonna say like thirty seven to twenty, Alabama. I just think that that team is so good offensively, so well-rounded. The running backs are excellent. The offensive line is excellent. The tight ends, Irv Smith Jr., who's from New Orleans, is really good. Uh, And then you get to the quarterback and the receivers, who are the best. And, yeah, no disrespect to Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, but it's Jerry Judy, who's, I think, the best receiver in the country. He's got the highest per catch average in the country. One out of every three catches is a touchdown. But then you've got that's it. uh, Only one of three. (laughs) That's it. You've got three other guys that are outstanding on the outside, too. And Tua just hits them. Uh, So 
uh, yeah, Jerry, uh, Greedy Williams, probably a top five pick. Grant Delpit's a first round pick. And unbelievably, interestingly, I looked it up on Pro Football Focus because uh, they grade everybody on everything. Uh, Christian Fuller, the other cornerback for LSU, is so far graded higher than Greedy. So, I mean, they are playing wow. in that secondary. No doubt. So, yeah, it's going to be an awesome matchup there. But here's the thing. Yeah, I, I wonder, they still might not have a stressful second half snap. I think they may be comfortably ahead going into the second half before Devin White gets back on the field. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but we'll see. I can't wait to be there. It's going to be awesome. I will have updates on the uh, the culinary and uh, uh, drinking scene in New Orleans. Obviously, you had the great interview with uh, Brett um anderson the food critic from the new orleans times picayune which you can see on our yahoo sports youtube channel uh, and i hope people will check that out but uh it's going to be a good 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 weekend we're gonna we're gonna issue a, a challenge to our producer Lindsay. pat brett and i all have very distinct laughs pat had been mocking brett's laugh not mocking but pointing out the distinctness but we've had i've had listeners tweet me about pat's laugh i certainly have a ridiculous laugh like there's there's no there's no question i'm not i am self-aware enough to know my laugh is completely obnoxious too and i i think it would be very interesting to, to do a laugh off of the uh, of the three of us maybe we have dan decide who's uh i don't, I don't even know how you grade laughs but that brett anderson interview is on our youtube channel for now or anytime you go to new orleans he really breaks down the food scene there and we uh we have a few laughs as well outstanding we'll look forward to hearing that and i will look forward to seeing the game and it's unbelievably it's not the only huge game in the sec this week uh the sec east championship is literally on the line will be decided saturday in of all places commonwealth stadium in lexington kentucky i guarantee that cha- that stadium has never seen any game that decided the SEC championship this late in the year, uh, but we have it. Georgia is seven and one, is number six in the college football playoff rankings. Kentucky somehow is seven and one, and is number nine in the college football rankings. And the winner of that game is going to Atlanta to play the winner of the West, presumably Alabama. But we'll see. Uh, Pete, I'm, I'm kind of astounded we're at this point, but it's kind of fun and interesting to have some new blood involved. Uh, do you give Kentucky any chance straight up or against the spread? I don't think you're asking the question in the right manner, Pat. Okay. Careful listeners of our podcast would know the correct <laughs> way to lead into this segment would be, Pat, Pat, are the cats going to win? <laughs> because definitely this is the biggest home game since that LSU game when LSU lost in multiple overtimes to Andre Woodson in the cats (laughs) when Pat did not think they were going to win at some shell station maybe it was the it was the shell station where the the, the money was changed hands in the uh, Louisville scandal um I made that up but I uh I'm going to take the cats with the points I don't think the cats are going to win but I think the environment and the physicality of Kentucky will be a nice matchup with Georgia I Look, they obviously played really well against Florida. I do think there'll be a little hangover from the cocktail party. I think this is – I do not want to underestimate what the home field will be. And you're looking at the youngest roster in the SEC going into that environment. Uh, I am excited to to watch the Cats. I do not think the Cats are infallible. Obviously, they showed that against (laughs) Missouri. They're not infallible? The Cats are not infallible. Words coming out of my mouth that I never thought – they would. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, Scary Terry can't throw. 
we've learned that. But at the same time, I just feel like there'll be a little momentum and a little juice and a little youth by Georgia. And, uh, yeah, I feel like the Cats are going to cover the – what is it? What do we settle on? Nine and a half? Uh, nine. Nine point nine. spread. Nine point spread. Yep. So, Pat, okay. I ask you, are the Cats going to win? <laughs> the Cats are not going to win, and the Cats are not going to cover. George is going <laughs> to win. George is going to cover. Uh, look, it's been a tremendous season for Kentucky. Uh, you know, I mean, far beyond expectation. And I agree with most of your points, too, about possible hangover from the cocktail party for Georgia, about the strength of Kentucky being a potential problem for Georgia. They can run the ball. They can stop the run. And if they are committed, if they're consistent with pounding the rock and don't turn it over. See, that's what Florida did. Felipe Franks had three turnovers. If they avoid that, or they, Florida had three turnovers. I'm not sure they're all on Franks. It, it could be a close One game. One of those but, interceptions was so bad it should have counted as three. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. But, look, I, Kentucky is maxed out. I mean, they have done everything they can do, in my opinion. And they were extremely fortunate to actually get the game into overtime against Texas A&M when they were so badly outplayed they didn't run a single snap in Texas A&M's side of the field <laughs> and still got it into OT before they lost. They were beyond fortunate to beat Missouri uh, with a ridiculous last drive, Missouri melting down defensively, and the help of the officiating. Kentucky's last three games, their point totals, 14-14-15. I'm here to tell you, if they're going to go 14 again, Georgia's going to go 24 for sure, all right? Georgia's can, Georgia has weapons. Georgia can score. Georgia has a 9 million times better quarterback than Terry Wilson. Uh, and the jig's up for Kentucky. It's just they, they're, they're way overdue to lose, and uh, they're going to lose, and, and they're going to lose by 10 points or more. So I just fell all that radiant optimism. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it. Now, Jake Fromm got him, he's got his legs back under him too. And I, you know, and he's a really, he's a good quarterback. He's, he's not a transcendent quarterback. He's not Tua, but he's a good quarterback and he's got good guys to throw to. And they've got good running backs. They're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to score. Okay, Pete, uh, Big Ten game, big one in the big house. Penn State, which has lost twice now, but some people still think could have a path to the playoff if things break right if they can somehow still win the Big Ten East and win the Big Ten. Uh, at Michigan, a very hot Michigan team that has played really well uh, lately and uh, comes into the game, you know, rolling in, uh, in a pretty big way. Uh, Penn State is a 10-and-a-half-point dog here. Michigan's, Michigan has won seven in a row after losing the opening game to Notre Dame. Can Penn State win or can Penn State cover the 10.5? You know, I just have absolutely no faith in Penn State after watching them the past uh, the, the past few weeks. I just feel like their season derailed on that uh, on that fourth and five, and it just it, they just haven't they haven't found themselves. I, I really watching, especially a lot of that first half of that Iowa game. I thought Iowa just completely out physicaled them, and I give them credit for coming back in kind of like a, a classic sloggy Big Ten game to do that. And I mean, if you want to, if you want like one number that shows how much Penn State's fortunes have changed this year i mean they beat michigan 42 to 13 in state college last year and right. 
now they're ten point underdogs, which uh, I'm not great at math, but that's like a forty plus point swing. So <laughs> I just feel like Penn State has no chance in this game. I just really don't. Like I would like to talk myself into that nice little uh, juicy point total, but I I don't feel like the the offense without Saquon Barkley is going to give Don Brown any problems. I I feel like it's fairly simplistic. It's stopping a running quarterback at the at the end of the day, and. Uh, yeah, I feel like the Michigan Wolverines are going to roll. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they win and cover. Uh, Michigan's playing extremely well. I agree. Penn State's lost their mojo. Uh, they, they, the biggest reason they were able to escape against Iowa really was home crowd. That place is amazing, and they got two huge mistakes out of Iowa that were directly related to the home crowd in the fourth quarter, including throwing an interception on the one yard line because. Uh, Nate Stanley tried to audible oh, and God. Nathan Fant didn't gross. pick it up. It was awful. Oh, so, you know, that, Hey, the home crowd ain't coming with them. That's going to be 106,000 or whatever the number is in big house. And they're going to be rooting for Mason blue. And I think it helped Michigan had a week off after beating Michigan state. And that's, they, that might be the hangover antidote is that they avoided the letdown there. You know, they got that whole, that absurdly emotional melodramatic, macho bs out of the system and then they have a week podcast fodder yeah uh, it was very good for us (laughs) very good for podcast business but uh i think i think michigan should be back and focused and and ready and if they're focused that's certainly a two touchdown game possibly a beatdown. we'll see okay pete uh another big 10 team in action but not against a big 10 opponent but a very important game for notre dame playing Northwestern in the what should be the very friendly confines for the Irish of uh, – is it Ryan Field, I think? It, uh, it is Ryan Field. That is correct. Ryan Field. Yep. Uh, this S- is the- South Bend's two hours away from Evanston. Notre Dame – Chicago is just overrun with Notre Dame alums and fans, Subway alumni. They will have more fans, I would think, in Ryan Field than Northwestern. But, hey, Northwestern is leading the Big Ten West. And while this game won't help them win that, they're playing well. They are on a four-game winning streak. Uh, a big showdown. If Notre Dame gets past this one, things continue to look good for the Irish making the playoff. They came in at number four in the first playoff rankings. What do you think? The number there is nine and a half. Uh, Notre Dame giving nine and a half to the Wildcats. So I'm going to take Northwestern here in part because I know you're going to take Notre Dame and I need to catch up. So <laughs> I, I can already kinetically tell that you were you're going to like the Irish in this matchup because Northwestern has just looked gross at times despite leading the Big Ten West, and um, yeah, I think uh, I think Wetzel could start at tailback for uh, Northwestern at this point. They're so they're so thin there. Although Bowser has come on the, the freshman in the past couple weeks and done uh, and done all right. So um, all that said, Northwestern is like one of the most difficult teams in the country to read because they've looked just looked completely awful and useless against. Duke especially, they were just not in that game for a snap. And then Akron beat them there, which people forget. So uh, all that said, Clayton Thorson actually is starting to look like himself a little bit. Now, he doesn't have anyone to throw to. An NFL scout texted me after that game last week and said it was like flat, gross, no speed on the field um, when they played when they played Wisconsin, which is yeah. quite true. But speaking yeah. of hangovers, there's obviously the post-Navy hangover, which you read about a lot with ah. Notre Dame. Plus oh, – yeah. The, yeah, the, the the hitting and the all the chops and all that stuff. Plus, you oh, got okay. five thousand miles of travel. Um, yeah. You know, 
whatever. I'm, I'm probably overestimating the San Diego to South Bend a little bit. But certainly I just think that the Irish are vulnerable in some of those logistic senses. And, uh, yeah, I like, uh, I like Northwestern to barely cover. Okay. But not win. But not win. I do not think they'll win. Okay. Well, you know what? You basically, you trapped me. You baited me <laughs> like a cornerback baits a, cor- baits a quarterback into a throw, you know? And Because I was really thinking taking Northwestern, but then you, you threw down the gauntlet, and so now, fine, I'm taking Notre Dame. Three fine. beers on the line, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Ian Book, baby, all the way. Uh, frankly, no, I, th- I mean, I think Northwestern is playing better. Uh, they, they were garbage at various times of the season, and at I do Rutgers. think it would be – Fairly amazing for somebody to win the Big Ten West with a loss to Akron on their resume. We'll see if that actually happens. But Plus, this game tests our other argument from the podcast. If someone's going to lose, you don't think anyone's going to lose. Right, I think someone's right. going to lose. This is yeah. one of those games in that gray area that could be a loss. Sure, sure. Pat Fitzgerald's done some stuff. He's pulled some rabbits out of his hat. Uh, they nearly beat Michigan here back in September. But uh, no, no, I'm taking the bait and I'm taking the Irish. Uh, running game gets going better than you know. Maybe some people have had success against uh, Northwestern, and Ian Book's a heck of a lot better than Alex Hornerbrook at quarterback. Irish Bowl. So. You ain't kidding. Yeah. <laughs> okay, our last of our five picks before we get to our locks, which are terrible. But, <laughs> uh, Big Twelve game. West Virginia still hanging around the playoff picture, number 13 in the playoff rankings, one loss for the Mountaineers. Texas got a comeuppance last week, dropped to 17 in the playoff rankings, out of the playoff picture. Uh, But the Longhorns are at home against the Mountaineers, and the Longhorns are laying two points. It is West Virginia plus two at Texas uh, if West Virginia wins this game, you know, they keep moving on towards that end of the year showdown with Oklahoma. This is a big step along the way. Is West Virginia good enough, Pete? You know, it's interesting because I'm going to, I often can refer back to my own bad picks and I think I've gotten every Texas game wrong this year. I, I, I kept that up last week, um, which I'm, which I'm proud of. Um, so last season, Texas, uh, I believe the game was in West Virginia. Texas went to West Virginia and stomped them. It was probably the biggest win of, uh, you know, it's at least the biggest Big 12 win of Tom Herman's uh, season last year. And uh, that game has colored me because when I've looked at this West Virginia schedule all year, I've been like, oh, they're going to go to Austin. That's going to be tough. Todd Orlando's defense, blah, blah, blah. But then again, Todd Orlando's defense was just abysmal in Stillwater last week. And they had played Oklahoma State very tough. So, it's a long-winded way to say I have no idea uh, what I'm talking about, which our careful listeners to the podcast would already know. Um, so I am going to take the Mountaineers because they're playing well and they're hot. And Texas is reeling and they are prone to emotional swings and they're on a downswing right now. It was much yeah. more fun breaking down the Gundy-Herman fight. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going with you. I, I think West Virginia uh, – look, I – We've seen these teams do this. You, you get a loss, and it's a reality check, and you bounce back, and we see, okay, are you serious or not? And they came back and obliterated Baylor. Next game after the loss to Iowa State, 
that to me showed me a little something. And, you know, look, nobody's going to say Baylor's a great team, but Baylor's a respectable team this year. Matt Rule's done a good job getting them back to respectability, and they destroyed Baylor. And now that game was on a Thursday, so they get a couple extra days rest and recuperation before they go to Austin. Uh, and I think they got a little of the eye of the tiger now. And yeah, I think Texas might've had a little bit of, uh, a little bit of its confidence shaken by the loss, uh, and just getting, like I said, run over, passed through everything by Oklahoma state a not very good Oklahoma state team. So I'm going to say West Virginia, I'm going to say West Virginia out wins outright because it's only a two point number. So we agree three out of five. That's, that's slightly disappointing, but we'll deal with that. Uh, I'm sure your lock is going to be terrible. I promise my lock is going to be great, but let's hear your lock of the week. My lock of the week is going to be Syracuse minus five at Wake Forest. My best lock of the year by far and away was Syracuse over Florida State in the Carrier Dome earlier in the year when they just trounced the Seminoles 30 to seven. So I need some, I need some juju. So I'm going back to the uh, alma mater ranked for the first time since I was almost in school, 17 years since the orange have been ranked. Eric Dungy, Saw his job flash before his eyes uh, two games ago, bounced back against NC State in one of the biggest games up there in a, in a long time, and uh, and really played well against what is turning out to be a really bad NC State team. I was disappointed that they uh, showed up in the rankings. I mean, they haven't beaten anybody. So anyway, no. it's a long way to say, and this Wake Forest defense is, is really spectacularly bad, and I just feel like the odds makers are overestimating that victory over a really terrible Louisville team. So, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, that, that makes sense to me. I think Syracuse is, is pretty darn good. Um, yeah. and NC state, yes, yeah, is, is, is a paper tiger at this point. So, or nope. wake Forest. I'm sorry, wake Forest. I'm sorry. So, uh, no, I think that and look uh, at what Notre Dame did down there this year. Syracuse right. runs higher tempo and, you know, has, yeah, yeah, no, they, they could score easily score 50, maybe even 60. Like that yeah. game is going to be a, Whatever the whatever the over number is on that, yeah. that that would be one for astute uh, sports yes. watchers to keep an eye on. Yes, they they would make Jim Beheim's two three zones look uh, look potent, considering uh, <laughs> the, the lack of defense that would be played down there. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, um, my lock. I'm going West Coast, Best Coast, and I'm going one of the hottest teams in the country, uh, Utah. Mm, They've won. Fo- Won four straight games, scored more than 40 points in each game, which if you know the Kyle Whittingham history, you're like, what? That cannot be. But they've finally gotten the uh, you know the new offense with Troy Taylor in as the coordinator going. Uh, Tyler Huntley's working great in that they have made a lot of big plays, explosive plays uh, from scrimmage. So they've really kind of just kind of un- unleashed a new offense, so to speak, really. And uh, they're going at Arizona State. And Arizona State's been a weird team, kind of hard to read. Yeah. You know, they've been all over the place. They had yeah. uh, a nice win against Michigan State early. They had a nice win against USC, but USC was playing a third-string quarterback. How um, good was Nikhil Harry in that game? Oh, my God. Fantastic. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's underappreciated. What a, what, a, what a player. Yeah, that unbelievable one-handed catch while he's almost lying oh down backwards. Yeah, 92-yard punt return. Yeah, you travel in in a lot of scout circles and GMs that sort of thing. Where how high is his uh, draft ceiling? Very high. I would I would put him in the top fifteen right now. Receivers mm. are kind of funky, and right. uh, yeah, but I, I actually think playing for Herm will help him a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, just because they'll 
there's probably some more pro concepts than they would have back in the Mike Norvellish, Todd Gramish sort of like hyper spread stuff. Sure. Yeah. No, love Nikhil. He's very, very good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's going to be some good offense, I think, on display in that game. But I'm I'm rolling with the Utes giving seven in Tempe. Uh, and I shoot, I even did a note on where Arizona State's actually been one of the best teams against the spread the last three and a half years. And now I'm going against them at home as a home dog. But so what? I got to do it. I think Utah's very hot. Utah up to number 15 in the playoff rankings. Looks like the best team in the Pac-12 South. And I think they keep it going uh, for another week. So that's my lock of the week. Those are our picks of the week. Uh, Pete, where will you be watching games this weekend? You gonna be at home? No, I, I think I will be at home. I haven't. I haven't actually decided yet. There has been like just an avalanche of news for the last oh forty-eight goodness. hours yeah. that is uh, that has slightly buried me. But that did not stop me from tasting a beer to pass mm. on to our fearless listeners, Pat. And uh, I traveled to the wonderful city of Seven Hills, Worcester, Massachusetts, this year. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, this week to profile Cole Tracy, the LSU kicker and talk about Assumption College and how the road to the college football championship has improbably wound through a Division II Catholic school of 2000 in Worcester. Because Brian awesome. Brian Kelly is a uh, proud Assumption graduate, and we, we must publish these photos. We have published these photos at this point of Brian Kelly coached women's softball what? At Assumption College for four years, he has a haircut straight out of like the Breakfast Club, and uh. he's still built like a linebacker. Brian Kelly was an all-conference linebacker. He's still seventh all-time in tackles Is it at really? Assumption College, yes. And he will probably never talk to me again after we publish the assortment of pictures <laughs> I got. The trove of uh. awesome BK shots from his uh, from his 80s. He also ran Gary Hart's political campaign. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, in, in there. But, yeah, no, he, he was 64 and 54 as the women's softball coach at Assumption back wow. in his uh, back in his early 20s. So that's a long-winded way to say I, I, I tried a Wormtown, which is the local beer in Worcester. It's fantastic. I would tell all our listeners to hunt down the Rocket Pale Ale, which Did is a fantastic. Wormtown? Wormtown, W-O-R-M-T-O-W-N, Wormtown. Why? Any idea? Worcester, Wormtown. Is Worcester called Wormtown? You know, I don't know that, and I should because okay. my dad was born there, and my grandmother <laughs> emigrated from Albania and lived her whole <laughs> life there. But Wormtown Brewery is okay. uh, is a uh, is a well-known brewery in central Massachusetts. Uh, I know we have a lot of listeners in the 508, so okay. I'm sure they will appreciate that. There's... Uh, also a Bee Hoppy IPA that's uh, pretty good. And they, they do have a pumpkin beer, but I won't mention that because we know that our listeners know how we feel about Big Pumpkin. So Yeah, yeah. We're down on Big Pumpkin for sure. Well, my beer taste or beer choice this week is nowhere near as uh, exotic as a Wormtown beer. But I went with my go-to, Sierra Nevada. Uh, <laughs> how original, uh, Pat. I've never seen you drink a Sierra Nevada before. <laughs> hey, it just happened to be sitting next to me because I drank it while we were doing this podcast. So I could actually drop, I should drop a little uh, hat tip to Creature Comforts in uh, Athens, Georgia, where I was down there for the Georgia-Florida swim meet last week and did have a, a great Tropicalia IPA down there. Oh, uh, that yeah. was outstanding. So. There's yeah, some beers. It sounded like you try. ate at a good place in the dash. Oh the my gosh, Weaver D's. You phenomenal. gave a shout out to the dude. I was like, oh, that place yeah, sounds there, all right, man. Yeah, yeah Weaver <laughs> D's like 
he's he's getting up there in age, but yeah, that's I, a bummer. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's hilarious. Yeah, he takes your order and then just screams your order back to the kitchen, and then you just sit there and yak with him till your order's ready. It's beautiful. That, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So that's at that place we went in Hammond, Louisiana, with Duncan. Remember that? Ah, we yeah. went to the Manning where Pass Ricky Broussard Academy. lost his finger. Yes. 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 With the ring finger. That's another story for another podcast. I was just going to say the exact same thing. We have given the listeners enough winning picks. Yes. Uh, another fall yes. to roll. So thank yes. us later when you get come out of this weekend, Rich. Big weekend of games. We'll be back Sunday night for Monday with the Overreaction Podcast, talking about all the games. Have a great weekend, everybody. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.